All right, you ready? Let me see where you're going to turn first. Genesis chapter 6. Um, while back in February when we were up at um, Dave Olson's church, Heartland, and uh, Lou Engle was up there and he was sharing. And in the message that he shared with the leaders, he just mentioned that, you know, God keeps his covenant. And I thought as soon as he said it, it just dawned on me, I forgot to add that in my prayer message because we're talking about the heart of our father. And the first one is, is to know that he loves us. And we have to be secure in knowing that he loves us so that we can love others. Because if we don't truly believe that God loves us, we're going to struggle loving others. Um, but then God invites us to invite him into our lives and into our circumstances through prayer. And um, this whole series for me has really been a blessing to me. I don't know if it has been to you. I hope that it's been a blessing to you, but it has been to me. And to realize that um, God wants to come into our lives, come into our circumstances, but he won't force his way in. So we'll get to that again in just a minute. But then... His heart is also to surround us with a family called the church. And as we become part of his family, his body, we all have something to receive and we all have something to give. OK. Um, and so but this morning, I'm going to go back and look at prayer again through the eyes of covenant, because um, as we're looking at this, we have to understand that God is a God who doesn't change. He makes covenant with us and then he keeps his covenant. A lot of times we mess up, but even in the scriptures, if you study it out and I almost kind of went in that direction, but I had to stay with prayer. But it's amazing that even when we're not walking the way we should, God says, if you'll just repent. I mean, repentance is so easy and so good for us. So when we get off track, all we have to do is repent. And then we're right back into that. Covenant relationship and within God's covenants are his promises and his provisions. And um, since he's the maker of them, then our prayer life, if we if we understand them, then we just tap into what he's already promised us. And so we're going to look at that. But again, I just want to share that in prayer. We have to invite God in. He invites us to invite him in. But we're the ones who have to invite him into our circumstance. He will not force his way into our lives. In Revelation 3.20. Uh, I know I turned, told you to turn to Genesis 6. And that's fine. But Revelation 3.20 says. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. I will come into him and eat with him. And he with me. And. So we have to understand that God will, he just knocks. He just, sometimes it's so quiet we don't even feel it or see it, but he's there. But he won't knock the door down. He won't barge in. We have to ask him, and prayer is, is letting him, asking him to come in. And um, he won't do this. He won't barge his way in because he understands the freedom of choice that he's given us. 
And he's not going to violate that freedom of choice. Even if that means that we're going to walk away from him, he will let us walk away from him because he cherishes our freedom to make that choice, to walk with him and to love him. But if we choose not to, he will let us. His provision of salvation through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. You can know all about it. You can study about it. You can think about it. You can meditate about it. You can think it's wonderful. But until we invite him into our lives. Place our faith in that sacrifice and receive of his provision of salvation. We will never know salvation. We will never know what it means to have a relationship with him. We can know all about it. But until we ask him. And until we answer his invitation to us and and invite him into our lives, it's not going to happen. And um, if you look into the plan of salvation and if you don't believe it's for you, maybe you believe it's just a crutch and people have fallen back on it. uh, You have the freedom to choose not to receive his forgiveness and go your own way. And God will not force his way on us. That's how much he loves us. Now. We'll get to covenant. There's more than seven, but uh, mentions of covenants, but there's really seven covenants that God has made with mankind. And I'm going to give them all to you first, and then we're going to we'll look at a few of them. But as we're looking at them, here's what I want us to understand. Whatever you see God doing. With his people. In the scriptures. Is for you today. That's what covenant means. We'll get into it in just a second. But whatever you read that God did. However he revealed himself to his people. In any way. Or to one person. It doesn't matter. Anything that God has done. Is for us today. Because of his covenant relationships that he makes here are the covenants covenant in eden and this is where satan and humankind mankind would be enemies you say well that's not a good covenant but it's actually good because we win (laughs) thank you even in that as difficult as it is god came in the flesh to give us the victory okay so Be relaxed. There's the covenant of Noah. Covenant of Abraham. There's the covenant at Mount Sinai. And this is where uh, after the exodus, they came out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And God tells Israel that they are going to be his special people now. There's the covenant of the priesthood that he made with Levi uh, as they've come out. The covenant of David and then the new covenant of salvation and forgiveness by Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, his resurrection, and his ascension. And so the first one we're going to look at is with Noah, and that's in Genesis 6, verse 17. And he says this, For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark. You, your sons, your wife and your son's wives with you. And so he's getting ready to 
destroy the earth with the flood. We all know this. But he makes a covenant with Noah. But here's the thing. With the covenant, Noah had to agree with that. And he had to build the ark. I mean, like the ark, it didn't... Um, Noah and, and God didn't agree and all of a sudden there was an ark there and God said, okay, Noah, get in. I mean, Noah had to do some things to build that ark. And rough estimates is it took him 125 years. So um, there's, there's some things involved here. And then we'll jump to Genesis 9, verse 12. Genesis 9, 12. And this is after the flood. And things have settled down. And so Genesis 9, 12. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, Notice this in verse 15. He says, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Now, let's just pause there for a moment. He doesn't say that we're going to remember. He said, when I see it, I will remember my covenant with you. Isn't that awesome? God, when he sees the rainbow, and he must see a lot of them, he must need a reminder but every time that the bow appears, the rainbow appears, it's a reminder to God himself of his covenant. And then he says at the end of verse 15, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. So, that's an amazing covenant that God is making with us. And then if you'll turn with me to Genesis 15, please. Genesis 15. This is the covenant that he's going to make with Abraham. And Genesis 15, verse 17. They had been meeting. It says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Kenizzites, and all the other ites. And it goes to verse 21 with all the ites. Okay? And so this is a covenant that he's going to make with Abraham or Abram at the time. Verse or chapter 17, Genesis 17, verse one. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, 
and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your, to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. And so as God reveals this, he says, I am God almighty. Okay, then that means that your God is also God almighty. Amen. Whoever he is, however he reveals himself, that's who he is. Now, in saying all this, here's a quick definition of covenant. It's a legally binding obligation or promise. A legally binding obligation or promise. So on all of that being said, then what we have just read is God is legally binding himself to us. He is legally saying that I am making obligations to you and I'm binding myself to those obligations and to you. I am providing promises to you and I'm binding myself to those promises and to you. And that's why I'm saying whatever you find in the scripture, then it's for you as well. And we're going to look at one in particular towards the end, but I just want to encourage you with this, that however God reveals himself, it's for us today. Okay, whatever he did for somebody else, he can do it for you. All right. So. In Exodus chapter two, um, you can turn there if you want. Exodus chapter two, this is after I believe it's 430 years of the Israelites being in Egypt. Remember, they went down there because of the. Um, um, what is it? Famine. Yes, thank you. Because of the famine and Joseph was down there, had provision. So they go down there when they're small in number, but they increase. And now the exodus is coming, but they're uh, removed from the first Pharaoh. And now this these pharaohs aren't very kind to them, and now they're basically slaves down there. So in Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says this. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And then verse 24, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so 
on the flip side of this, I want you to know, if you're going through a difficult time, it's okay to cry. It's okay to groan. It's okay to cry out to the Lord. But one of the things that I would encourage you to do is remind God of His promises towards you. And whatever you're seeking, that if He's done it for them, He'll do it for us. But I, I think it's awesome. And it says, and God remembered His covenant. So, maybe there was a storm and it caught His attention. Who knows? And He saw the bow again. This I want to share, and it, it's kind of, it was hard for me to settle down on a few scriptures, but I want to show you how, though we have all these covenants, the main covenant coming is the one with Jesus Christ. That's the new covenant. That's the best covenant. And there's no more after that. So, but all of this was prophesied. And so I, I just want to share this with you. Um, in Isaiah chapter 54, in verse 9, it starts off like this. Isaiah 54, 9. And it says, This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. And then verse 10. Now listen to this. And let me, before we read verse 10, let me tell you that they're not walking with the Lord. They're not doing a very good job. But this is the Lord's response. And then verse 10 says, For the mount mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you, and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Isn't that awesome? And I will give you a little side note, the reason that God likes to be compassionate to us is to give us time to repent. <laughs> to give us time to come to our senses and say, okay, God, things aren't going right. I've made a mess of this. I'm turning back to you. All right? And then Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 26 to 28. Ezekiel 37, verse 26 says, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. How long is it going to last? Forever. It's everlasting. So it's going to outlast us. All right. Down here anyways. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. Now, isn't that awesome? Let me read that to you again because this is amazing to me. And I will set them in their land and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. Who's he talking about? He's talking about people. He's talking about his people that he has set apart. And we are his people if we have our faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 27. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Whew. Verse 28. Then, everybody say then. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. 
And as I'm looking at this, then I'm thinking about Rahab when the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan to enter into the promised land. They've come out of the Red Sea. They've been in the wilderness 40 years. And they're moving closer and closer to Canaan. The Jordan is in their way, or the river is in their way. They're going to cross it. But here's what happens. Uh, remember that uh, they sent spies into, the, into Jordan. And they sent two of them. And they stayed at, with Rahab. And she was a prostitute. And, um, it, and if you keep on reading, you'll find out that her house was within the wall that protected the city that eventually came down. But here it is in Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 8. So the, the spies are already there. They found her. They looked at things. And here's what's going on. Joshua 2, 8. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. Now, she's making this statement to them. Here's what we need to understand. People have found out that they're there in Jordan and that they've come to her house. And so she's thrown them off course saying, hey, they went down, they're, they've left, they went this way. And so now she goes, and she hit them up on the roof. So now she went up to see them and she makes this declaration. Let me read it in verse 9 again. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. In other words, what is she declaring? She's like, look, we already know that we're doomed because God is with you. We understand that you belong to him and that you're coming to get your land. Okay. Verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you and before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Shion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And again, verse 11 now. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now, I'm bringing this out because remember the promise in Ezekiel, everybody's going to know who belongs to Him. And so they know it now because of what God has done. Verse 12. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a, a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Because she knows what's coming. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And I'm telling you. You may not think that what you're going through is significant or you may think that it's 
Very significant. But I want you to know something. People are always watching you. They know, your neighbors know that you got up and went to church today. You didn't pull a boat behind you so they know you're going to church. They pay attention and they're watching. And when we're going through difficult times, they want to see how we respond. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you respond appropriately. But they're also looking to see how you can be in peace in the midst of all the difficulties that you're going through. They're, they're watching to see how do you handle all the blessings that God is giving you because you're walking with Him. They know. Sometimes I think they know more than we know how much God is with us. They're watching. And this is letting us know that they were watching. They were paying attention. They knew what was coming. And she was smart enough actually to say, hey, I want to be on the right side of this. It's a really a form of repentance. All right, Jeremiah chapter 31. Uh, if you don't want to turn there, we're going to read it in Hebrews chapter 8. So you can just turn to Hebrews chapter 8. And I, it's almost word for word, but Jeremiah 31 verse 31 says, Behold, now wait a minute, remember that he's established these covenants and it's all leading up to the new covenant with Jesus Christ. All right. So, and Jeremiah is not the only one who prophesied this, but I picked him. Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So that's what Jeremiah said. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 8. I mean, chapter 8, verse 7. Hebrews 8, 7. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their father, son, the day when I took them by the hand to bring them up or to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And, I shall not and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and the, each one his brother, saying, 
know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. <clears throat> for I will be merciful toward their iniquities. This is new. though. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old and is ready to vanish away. So it's all leading towards the new covenant. The new covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. We're going to receive communion in just a little bit, but I want to share this out of Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. It says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to His disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so he's establishing the new covenant with him and his sacrifice. However, God was revealed in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is for us. If you go back to the covenant in Eden, of Eden, do you know that the first thing that he did was cover them? He covered them, and he's still covering today. Three days after the Red Sea situation, when, when the Israelites crossed over on dry ground, Pharaoh and the army got killed in the waters. Three days after that, the Scripture says that they were in the wilderness and they came to Moriah and they tasted of the water there and the water was bitter. And so they cried out to, the, to Moses and Moses cried out to the Lord and then Moses was instructed to throw uh, a stick or a log into the water. And then when they drank it, it says that the water was sweet water. Okay. So. Whatever is happening in your life that may be bringing bitterness to your life, I'm telling you, God is the solution. God is the answer. to take what is bitter and turn it around for our good and make it sweet in our lives. But we have to allow Him. We have to invite Him in. A little after this time, they're still out in the wilderness and they're being tormented and they need healing. And so God makes this declaration in Exodus fifteen twenty six, saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes. And give ear to. And I don't think this is coming up. Exodus fifteen twenty six. And give ear to his commandments. And keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you. That I put on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord your healer. 
Exodus 15, 26. For I am the Lord your healer. Okay, so what does that mean for us today? That means that God is still our healer today. Now, there are different denominations that try and say that God doesn't heal anymore, that it passed away when Paul passed away. But you know what? He still heals. He can't help but heal because he says, I am the Lord, your healer. So there's healing in him. He can't help but heal. That's part of the covenant. However God has revealed himself. is for us today. But it's better. So whatever we have need of, God has provided it. The promise is there for us as well. Here's the interesting thing, and, and I learned this through, my, through this whole series. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to plead for Him. We don't have to come there saying, oh God, I am not worthy of this. I'm a sinner, you know, and boo-hoo and who we are. We don't have to do that when we go to Him in prayer. When we go to Him in prayer, we can just declare, God, this is who You are. This is what I need. And I'm inviting you in. I don't know how. I mean, we have all said this, right? I don't know how you're going to make sense of this. I don't know how you're going to fix this. But God, please come. And what does he do? He comes. So we don't have to plead with him. We don't have to beg him to do something. God already wants to do it. He wants to help us. He didn't send Jesus Christ to the cross just so that we would go to heaven. That's the fringe benefit of it. The real benefit is while we're living down here, He's a part of our life. He's living in us. And He leads us and directs us. He, he, he doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's No matter what we're going through, He's right there with us. Even when we sin and make mistakes and turn away from Him, the Scripture is very clear that God invites us to repent, turn away from what we were doing, and set our path straight with Him again. And everything is right there again. And the awesome thing is, is God will not go against the covenant He has made with us. It's a for sure thing, and we can count on His faithfulness. So whatever we have need of, God has provided for us in the covenant in who he is and how he has revealed himself. And you may not have to beg, but you can certainly cry out. And he will remember and he will answer. That's how easy prayer can be for us. We invite God in. We remind him of his promises. And I believe that God likes to be reminded of his promises. Because it lets us know that we know Him. We know His heart. We know His love for us. And His faithfulness. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for this day and the love that You have for us. And we thank You for the covenants that You've made with mankind. But we thank You for the new covenant that you made with Jesus for us. Father, thank you that you sent him. Thank you for his willingness to come. 
thank you for his sacrifice. But Lord, we're, we're so grateful that when we receive of that, not only are we forgiven, not only are we set apart, but Father, your Holy Spirit comes and he lives with us. And he dwells with us. So that all the world will know that we belong to you. Father, thank you for the truth in your word. And Father, I pray that we would come to understand it in a greater measure. That even in our prayer life, that it would, wouldn't be a struggle, but it would just be a reminder of the fact that we need you and you've provided the answer for us. Father, help us to walk in that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.